0: We'll <laughs> be Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app.
1: Hey, if you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, please do it simple to do. Never miss a minute of the show. Listen at your convenience. And I want to thank my friend Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty, East Valley, for the sponsorship this week. You can get a higher price selling your home and get guaranteed offers at higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Talked about the border earlier, talked about now the governor of New York along with the mayor of New York, the mayor of Chicago, all asking for federal assistance in dealing with the issue. I want to shift for a moment. Um, this is humanity, and this is part of what's bothersome. Here's a Washington Post story. The headline says, most fentanyl is seized at border crossings. In other words, it's not being mulled in in these other places. It's being brought across ports of entry, often from U.S. citizens. That's the part of this that gets me. Um, fentanyl is killing people it is poison and it is poisoning people in insane ways i mean i mean insane numbers of people that are being poisoned and um It's not just people that are doing the drugs. It's people that are coming in contact with the people that are doing the drug or law enforcement agents that are coming in contact with the drug is making them sick and killing them. Um, But I had a comment from somebody yesterday on social media saying that I'm talking about these drugs being snuck into the country around, you know, around the border fences in Yuma, as opposed to the fact that most of it's coming through the ports of entry. It's the same problem because of our lack of ability because of numbers to police it. There is a reason why we don't have enough federal agents policing the border ports of entry. It's the same problem. They are so overwhelmed with asylum seekers. You've got CBP and ICE agents. They don't have enough of them. They don't have enough magistrates. They don't have enough people to uh, adjudicate these cases. So they are backlogged. And it's not me saying this. These are the people that are doing the job that's saying it. And it makes perfect sense. If our country knows and here are the news stories. If they know that the majority of fentanyl that's making its way into the country is coming through the ports of entry and it's not being snuck in in backpacks, you know, around border fences or or whatever, then why don't they have enough people to stop it? Because they can't. That's where the issue lies with this. This is a comprehensive problem. I, I answered somebody on social media earlier saying, don't you know how expensive it is to come here legally? Yes, I do. I am I can tell you that on this issue, you may never agree with me, but I can promise you I am educated on the issue. I have been dealing with this issue most of my life. I've I've talked about this very often and I've been very transparent about it. I was with a girl for years, for seven years. Eight years of my life as a young man, and they are, her family, are Marielle Cubans. She was bought, brought here on a fishing boat during the Marielle boat lifts. They're called Marielitos, and they're listed on that. Uh, that uh, you can find them online. Have, I've looked their names up. Where they were listed as Marielitos. And so I'm familiar with the process of of being processed through and getting a green card and the years and years and years and the money it takes to become citizens. I'm familiar. I've worked with a lot of people that are in the country legally and some that have been in the country legally that I've known or illegally that I've known. I understand it's arduous. I understand that it's expensive, but I also understand that it's necessary that we control who comes and goes in this country. That's national security. So when we make excuses for people that are doing it the wrong way, it doesn't mean we're heartless. I understand the plight of people. There is a difference in my mind between someone that goes into a grocery store because their kids are hungry and steals baby formula and someone that goes in and steals you know, a bunch of ribeye steaks. There is a difference in your mind of how you feel about that person and how you treat them. That doesn't mean that you just allow people to steal from you. You see it differently. You handle them differently. But there is a, there, you wouldn't call that person a customer. If somebody came in even with hungry children and stole baby formula or stole food for their children, you would not call them a customer. They're not a customer. That doesn't mean you call the cops and beat them up and, and you, don't, you handle it differently. But they are still doing the wrong thing. So then when we talk about the issue connected to it and you say, well, why do we have hungry children? We need to address hungry children. Yes, we do. But that doesn't mean we condone theft. We need to fix our immigration system. There's no doubt about it. But if you don't understand how long this problem is going on, look at the dreamers. We've got a new generation, two million encounters at our border in one year. What do you think your kids are going to be doing? My kids, my grandkids. My grandkids will be not maybe not them specifically, but their generation, they will be elected to offices across the state and at the federal level in Congress and the United States Senate, the House of Representatives, and they will be wrestling with another generation of dreamers. What do we do with all of these people that came here? They stayed and put down roots. They never left. They threw away their tracking devices. They've been working and living here. Now they've got children of their own that were born in this country. Now what do we do? Now what do we do? And instead of fixing it, we're making more excuses. I'm not heartless, and I'm certainly not blind. I know exactly what's going on. We look at this issue, and we, are, we, are, we continue to throw darts at each other politically. I am well aware of the plight of people that are in desperate situations, and I would love to be able to help them. I would love to be able to open the doors of America to good people that understand the oppression of socialism and communism is a killer, and that if you can live in a free society, you can be anything you want. That is what's so great about this country. This is a country where you truly are in the land of opportunity, not the land of equal outcomes, not certainly not the land of fairness. Life's never fair and it's never going to be fair. But you have the opportunity to overcome here like no place else. And we should offer that to people. But you can't come here and just take it. And just like I said earlier, you wouldn't call a shoplifter a customer. We can't call someone that comes into this country illegally a migrant along with somebody that's a legal migrant. Migrant. There, there's a difference. I'm not trying to be insulting, but we've got to treat it differently. And there is a difference between the cartel members that cross our border that want to bring drugs into this country or, or the sex trade or crime in general. There's a difference between them and a family that comes here because their children are hungry and they want a chance to work. That doesn't mean you condone either one, but you sir sure look at them differently and we see them differently. But we can't control it. We're not controlling any of it right now. None of it's being controlled. You know, I'm not going to fall into the trap of being called someone that is hateful or spiteful or xenophobic, or it's never been a part of who I am. You'll never convince me that I'm in that in any way, shape, manner, or form. I'm a realist. This is not good for the people coming. It's not good for America. The only people that are benefiting is the cartels. And if anybody out there says that I'm wrong in that, I would adamantly disagree with you. And I would tell you being a part of what's happening now and not changing it or fixing it is further enriching the cartels. And we all should be ashamed of that. Period. End of story. In a moment, an NYU professor was fired. The reason is hysterical. We'll talk about it coming up in just a moment. (groans)
0: Yeah. <groans> Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. You know how much I love to talk about education, and we're gonna do that right here.
1: This is interesting, and I got mixed feelings about this. I'm gonna walk through this and see if your opinions vary on this or if you are just a hardliner on the answers here. An NYU professor says he was fired after eighty plus students circulated a petition because his class was too hard. Initial reaction, tough, do your homework, especially when these are kids, young people, I shouldn't say kids, young men and women who want to be doctors. (laughs) So it's a chemistry teacher in a class that's required, moving into the medical field. So then you say, okay, wait a minute, then I don't want those people to be doctors if they can't pass this class. Let's be honest, there's a few things you don't want, and that's a surgeon that says, oops, and someone that doesn't understand chemistry that's going to be writing you prescriptions. But it said, in short, here's a spokesperson for NYU. In short, he was hired to teach and wasn't successful. There were troubling indicators regarding his teaching, including a high rate of withdrawal. So then I thought, you know what? Here's what's interesting about this. Now here's where I flip-flop a little bit. I have been someone that has been talking about educator accountability for a long time. If our kids at the much younger ages are not reading at grade level or doing math or performing math skills properly at grade level, who's held accountable? The children, their parents? Uh, is it a teacher issue? If you've got a teacher that has a high failure rate of students or students that are not accomplishing the set goals for that class, time, that, that, that school year. Um, so now I'm back to the other side. I'm thinking, well, maybe this guy needed to go. Yeah, it was. It's just such a back and forth. Uh, The course evaluation scores for Jones, who the school said was hired for a year long appointment to specifically teach organic chemistry, were by far the worst, not only among members of the chemistry department, but among the university's undergraduate science courses. So interesting, on the headline, you read it, and it says, basically, these 80-some students couldn't make the grade, so they got the professor fired. And I thought, well, isn't that an indicator of what we do now? If you, if you can't meet the standard, well, by all means, lower your standards. And then you think, those people want to be doctors, and they can't pass organic chemistry. Then the other side kicks in. So I honestly, you flip-flop on this, because for me, when it comes to education, we want accountability, don't we? We don't want students um, failing. And we don't want students passed on even though they aren't qualified. So is that a good part of this checks and balances? And uh, there are supporters of the professor say that it's unfair. A spokesperson said NYU disagrees and is disappointed by the way the matter with Professor Jones was characterized. Um, This comment was made in reference to an article in The New York Times, which colleagues and even other students defended Jones and his teaching methods, saying those who signed the petition were upset about their grades. So now I'm back to the other way. Is this just a bunch of kids that want their way and they don't want to have to work for it? The reason why I bring this up is because of that dichotomy that we talk about when it comes to education. We want educators to be held accountable to make sure they're doing their jobs and teaching the people what they need to know. On the other hand, you know, at some point, you can't blame the teacher because you're not learning. You have to be willing to learn, Um a couple of other headlines that I found to be interesting. Uh, number one is this one. A middle school teacher. This is, let's go back to the other side of teacher accountability. <laughs> a California middle school teacher praised, what do you think, wh- what name do you think I'm gonna give out here? Adolf Hitler, as a leader who displayed his photo in the classroom. Tabitha Berry, a middle school teacher in Carmel Valley um, High School in San Diego, placed a photo of Hitler in her classroom as a part of a lesson next to leaders such as former President John F. Kennedy, Indian, uh, Indian spiritual leader Mahatma Gandhi, and civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr., according to the Jerusalem Post. After a student voiced their disapproval of the Hitler next to the other leaders, Barry defended Hitler's place amongst the photos, saying this. Here's the quote. Hitler may have done some bad things, But he also had strong leadership qualities. All you have to do to change history is teach it inaccurately to one generation. Can you imagine anybody saying that Hitler had great leadership qualities? And would we tolerate it? Another example, another thing about education that I saw this morning is a parent, a father in Iowa Went to a school board meeting, dressed in drag in the same clothes that a drag queen was invited to these schools, and uh, asked the parents and the people at the school board, are you offended wearing these leopard skin boots and all this other stuff? Are you offended? Does this belong here? Is this the setting for this? Is this appropriate? No, it isn't, and it isn't in schools either. So, again, throwing people under the bus is what we do. The minute that I say or somebody else says that that's not appropriate, you're automatically shaming somebody. No, I'm not. There's age-appropriate things. When I was a little kid, um, I I love stand-up comedy. I always have. And I like raunchy comedy. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I just think you know, Red Fox was hysterical. And then Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy, my generation. But so was Steve Martin and other people that were clean. Even Bill Cosby, who did a clean act, I liked him. But when I was a little kid, my parents and my cousin, they would listen to. Back then, you played records. They were comedy albums. And they would listen to Red Fox albums and Richard Pryor albums after we were asleep because we were little kids. And it wasn't age appropriate for a little kid to hear the F bombs. And that's just the way it was. And I just don't think this kind of sexualization, and that's what people are saying, is, is appropriate in a school setting. It has nothing to do with whether or not drag shows, who cares? No one cares. No one cares. But is it appropriate for children? And when parents stand up and say that isn't appropriate for my child, they are demonized as somehow whether it's homophobic or whatever you would call it, transphobic or whatever it is. And so this is where the battle for schools is happening and why so many parents are going on school boards because there is a difference between what's accepted in society and what's appropriate, age-appropriate for kids in schools. And we we need to start keeping those battles there. In a moment, we got to shift back to the economy. Uh, We're going to talk about good news. It's the city of Tempe being one of the top 50 places to live in the country. We're going to talk about inflation and gas prices as now we know how much oil OPEC will be cutting. And we have a comment from the White House. All that's coming up next.
0: And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with us. Gas
1: prices uh top an average of $5 per gallon here in the Phoenix in the metro area in the valley. It's over $3.51 a gallon statewide average is what the uh the average is statewide. I want to make sure I got that number right. $4.51. I said three. Four fifty one. We love three fifty one. Four fifty one is a statewide average. Nash average is about 383. Uh, the President of the United States quoted today, he is in southwest Florida as we speak, surveying the damage from Hurricane Ian. He is there with Governor DeSantis and with uh, Sheriff Carmine Marcino from Lee County. And uh, But the White House has put out a statement that they are very disappointed that the OPEC nations have decided to cut production by two million barrels per day. So... Um, <laughs> this whole thing i want to get to the i want to get to the good news about tempe and other valley cities where arizona is faring very well I think we are going to continue to see really good growth in Arizona, and I will tell you why. Let's start there. I'll go back to gas in a minute because it's got me angry, but I think that the fact that people are looking for that opportunity to go somewhere else, and it doesn't matter who you are. There are news stories that are out there about how the average person is going to save between 20 and this much money per year in income taxes in Arizona, but there are a few people that are going to save hundreds of thousands of dollars. My first question in my mind when that story is out there, because all of that's accurate, those are accurate statements, is if you're saving a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year in state taxes, what were you paying? That's the bigger question for me. What are you paying if you're saving that much money? And um, for, for me, just to be totally transparent and honest about that, that part of it, um, Arizona is faring very well economically when you talk to other people around the country. And what we are seeing is a shift in policy because the American taxpayer, this is one area where the American taxpayer is like-minded most of the time across political lines. You hate having to give up so much of your money to the government. We don't like what we pay in taxes. It it, it is amazing how we all are like-minded in that. Yet, where the political divide becomes is when somebody else doesn't mind you paying more taxes. That's where the, that's where where you're rich, you can afford it. Who needs all that money? There was a guy years ago, a guy, uh, he's, I think he stole around, Jim Peterson, a big land developer, Democrat, very, uh, very giving of his money, philanthropic, and gives a lot of political donation to causes for the Democratic Party across the country. He ran for the Senate here in Arizona. And during the time of the Bush tax cuts, that's how far back this goes, Mr. Peterson said, I can't not remember the dollar amount, so don't hold me to the dollar amount. But he made some kind of a comment like, I got a $47,000 tax cut that I didn't need. And there's two questions that popped into my head. Number one was, did you give it back? That's number one, because you can. On every one of your tax forms, there is a line on your tax form that you can give more money to the federal government if you feel it's a good idea. He could have given it back. The second question I had was, since when does need have anything to do with it? Um. Uh. Aaron Judge just hit 62 home runs, broke a record that nobody thought would ever be broken or most people didn't think would ever be broken. And he is now the single season home run king in the minds of many because of the fight over whether or not it was steroid induced in the other seasons. But I will tell you that that guy is going to get. Paid in his next contract you're talking about a guy that's probably going to sign a contract in excess of 500 million dollars over a half a billion dollars in a contract who needs that much money that's the question but we don't seem to mind when athletes or actors and actresses or artists or whatever musicians when they make these huge amounts of money no one cares corporate america who needs that much money You got um, you go to a concert during COVID-19, when the shutdown happened, there were people out there raising money for roadies, for the road crew that traveled with bands because they were out of business. There were no concerts. The bands were fine. Metallica is worth millions of dollars. Their road crew isn't. Is that fair? You can't have a show without the roadies. Who's going to hang the speakers? Who's going to dial in the sound? Who puts up the lights? Is that fair? Is it fair that Metallica is making hundreds of thousands of dollars in concerts revenue and the roadies are not making anywhere near that money? No one talks about that. Corporate America, that's the way we go. Interesting about taxes, how you're always upset about how little someone else is paying, but you pay too much. We all feel that way. We don't want the IRS. We don't want the state government in our pockets. We don't want them coming after us. But when it's somebody else, pay your fair share. It blows my mind. So here we are at a time where federal income taxes are going up. They say on just the rich, but that's not true. But you look at states that are struggling right now. They have very high oppressive local and state taxes. And what's happening? Private individuals, look at the record number of people from New York that have relocated to Florida. There was a record number. Why? Have you been to New York? It's a beautiful city. I love New York, especially Midtown. No offense to any other parts of Manhattan, but it's the one I'm most familiar with. I love Midtown Manhattan. I love traveling on the subway system. I love all of it. I love that city. Don't want to live there. Couldn't afford to live there. But so many New Yorkers are relocating to Florida because they just can't afford it anymore. The local taxes and the state taxes and the sales taxes, it's eating away at the wealthy people. So they're relocating. And Arizona is going to be a destination because we lowered to a flat tax where it doesn't make it matter if you're making an entry level wage or you're making really good money. You are only giving a small portion of that money to the state government. We have widened and broadened our tax base. We have increased our, car, our money into the state coffee. And we're giving people the ability to keep more of their money, not Democrats, not Republicans, not rich, not poor. Everybody keep more of your money. And it's very popular. You look at the quality of life climbing in Arizona, go around the East Valley that's exploding in population, how beautiful it is out there, the way they're building, what they're building, what's available. And, and, And this is this is good news. And then you look at what's happening with inflation. You look at what's happening with gas prices, and people still can't make ends meet. But Arizona is faring well compared to the rest of the country, and it's something we should never forget. And how did we get here? How? Why are we? It isn't luck. It is not luck. It is intentional growth. It is intentional. It is intentional the way they do it. In a moment, one of my favorite stories of the day, if you don't know about the website The Onion, look it up real quick. It's a, it is a parody website. The Onion at the Supreme Court. It's actually not an Onion story. It's a real news story. We're going to talk about that coming up in just a moment.
0: strong values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey,
1: thanks for being here. World-renowned Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson is heading to Arizona Financial Theater on March 9th for his Cosmic Collusions Tour. Tickets are on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but you could win a pair by heading over to the contest page at KTAR.com. I love this story so much. I have been, uh, I've talked about the First Amendment. I think that I believe That stand-up comedy is going to save um, this country as far as the First Amendment goes. I think stand-up comedy is going to preserve the First Amendment. And it's funny because we all are offended by something that a comedian says. It happens. I don't care who you are. Watch them long enough. Uh, Watch Dave Chappelle. A a couple of the ones that really are classics to me as far as that goes and that genre of where you really step on toes. There are a few of them. Um, It is going to be Dave Chappelle. It's going to be Ricky Gervais. Uh, I think um, it is going to be Bill Burr um, uh, to a certain degree. And, and once in mean, a he does a lot of stuff that's kind of edgy. Louis C.K. is another one, uh, very edgy, because they talk about issues that are very, very passionate issues for people. And they find a way to make it hysterically funny most of the time. But when it's on the opposite side of the issue from you, it, you're like, ooh, you know, and I, it just but that's comedy. I think they're going to save it. The Onion, which is a parody website, it's a satirical parody website, and they write news stories. It's kind of like uh, the Babylon Bee, which is headlines, but they're fake headlines. But there's so much of a hint of truth of could be in it that unless you know it's from the Babylon Bee, that you are – and I, I love it. I subscribe to the Babylon Bee. That's how much I love it. The Onion does the same thing with news stories, and they're satirical. But there's so much of a hint of truth in them that if you read it and you didn't know it was The Onion, you would think this is possibly a news story. Well, they're in court, The Onion, a satirical news publication, submitted a friend-of-the-court brief to the U.S. Supreme Court in defense of parody. It turns out it's no laughing matter. The amicus brief, filed Monday, was in support of an Ohio man who was arrested after making Facebook posts parodying the local police department in 2016. The brief, written in the sardonic tone The Onion is known for, makes arguments about significance of parody as a form of criticism in public discourse. The fact that this has to be in front of the Supreme Court is an absolute shock to my system. I I don't know what we've become. The people in this country that want to silence others because they call it hate speech or otherwise were the very same people that were the champions of art and literature and everything else that is supposed to be controversial and thought-provoking and it's supposed to conjure up all of these emotions in you, they were the defenders of it. And now the very same people are so um, – what's the word? Um, it, it, they're so soft. They can't stand anybody that's – well, people are going to believe that. Well, idiots are going to believe that. You know, you had look what happened it, for everybody else out there. Look what happened during COVID-19 with masks and hydroxychloroquine. And I, we've ta- how many times have we talked about this? Ivermectin. Anybody who dared talk about that. I never subscribed to it. I never recommended it. I never used it. I was fully vaccinated and fully boosted. And I got hammered anytime I defended anybody that said, I'd rather do ivermectin than your vaccine. I was a part of the problem. When former President Trump said, hey, we developed a vaccine, I think you should get it, but it's your choice. He was a part of the problem. And anybody that went online and advocated for the use of alternative forms of medicine, in this case, ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, they were shut down. They had their pages suspended. They had these disclaimers put on there. Fake news or whatever you want to call it was all put over them. And they turned out to not be that wrong. Every one of us knows someone that has alternative medicine, uh, ways to uh, uh, prescribe alternative medicine or use alternative medicine. Holistic doctors and things you wouldn't do but people say eat herbs, do this. You have high blood pressure. You don't need to take all those medicines. I deal with that all the time. I have high blood pressure. As you can tell by the sound of my voice right now, I have hypertension, severe hypertension. For those of you who know blood pressure, I woke up one morning and I was rocking 207 over 127. Yeah, that high. And it's all under control now with medication and treating my sleep apnea. It's all under control. Back to normal. But I have people that are very sincere in saying, you need to go see – a naturopath you need to go see someone because you can treat high blood pressure without all of those medications now i'm not against it not against it but i'm not doing it right now either but what am i going to do call these people a witch doctor am i going to say you're out of your m-? no it is people have a right to do these things and that's the first amendment i have a right to say i'm not taking your medications i'm not taking your vaccines i'll eat roots and berries and herbs and i'll treat my medical conditions that way And you can relegate them to whatever you want. But when you shut people down online and you relegate them to freak status and they are all this other stuff, that's a violation. That's when you go after people for their belief being different than yours. Well, other people are going to believe you. Well, then you should convince them otherwise, not shut them down. And now you've got a satirical website that's using humor. And people believe it because they're so good at it. It's so close to the truth. They're in front of the Supreme Court. We are headed in the wrong direction. Just after 11 o'clock, the New York governor and what she wants to do about illegal immigration. Stick around next.